Hello, I'm Will Stein and welcome to Geography Island Jams. This podcast is in the same style as the BBC Radio 4 Desert Island Disc series, whereby each episode I ask my interviewee what eight songs, book and luxury item they would want to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. For rights reasons, the music has not been included in the podcast. You can find links to the eight songs on the LSE Geography and Environment website. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Geography Island Jams. My guest for this episode is a current second year environment development student, whining participation mentor and avid explorer, Tembi Chambakwe. Her record of adventures likely makes her one of the department's most travelled students. During her solo travels alone, she has visited almost 40 different countries. Her adventures include swimming of sharks in Malaysia, being involved in a motorbike crash in Thailand, and spending a New Year's Eve in a Sicilian dog shelter with over 100 dogs. Tembi has been traveling in many centers throughout her life, being born in London, grew up in Northamptonshire whilst also living briefly in Zimbabwe. As well as moving country, whilst growing up, Tembi has moved between eight different schools. Whilst at LSE, Tembi has pursued her love of rock climbing through the Rock Climbing Society, being on the committee for this year. She has also tested the waters, being a radio show and DJ through LSE Pulse. In addition to societies, Tembi has worked at LSE Whining Participation. She has mentored children aged 11 to 13 from underperforming state schools in London and encouraged them to consider university as an option. Finally, Tembi has been accepted on the LSE Study Abroad program to Berkeley. However, due to coronavirus, her studious American excursion has been postponed until 2021. So welcome, Tembi. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Will. So glad to be here. <laughs> so to start, can you tell me more about the initiatives you've been working on with widening participation? Yeah, so um, I guess the first one I got involved with was the mentoring scheme. And I started that in first year. Um, so basically, my first group of mentees were three girls in Clapham, um, all from African background. So it was quite cute. Being African myself, it felt like I had like three little sisters. And I was kind of like encouraging them and mentoring them. And they were in year nine. Um, that was really fun. They were really ambitious. But obviously from like quite tricky backgrounds all lived in like tower blocks and so that was amazing to like mentor them and they were really sweet I'm really grateful for that then I did it again in second year this time I was at a school in Finsbury Park yeah I was at school in Finsbury Park um but due to coronavirus it kind of got cut short so it wasn't you know I didn't have that you know journey I had with the other girls in first year but it was still really nice so what does it mean to mentor them like what kind of stuff do you do with them um, so it's a mixture of things. Obviously, it's academic, so I'll help them with like any homework or anything they're struggling with uh, at school. But it's also a pastoral role. So um, I did like confidence workshops with the girls in first year, like thinking about higher education, university, what sort of careers they want to go in, or if they're even just struggling with like I don't know, like something on the playground happened that day. Like I'll talk to them about it. So it was kind of like a mixture of everything, and I was just like, I know they're older, like guide but it was like not just academic it was that and also like cultural capital like how do you do this like kind of just guiding them through like things they might not otherwise know and why do you think the work LSE does with whining participation is necessary um I think especially for a lot of kids from state schools like myself like it's very important to know that the big loan that you get from university 
won't like ruin your life <laughs> because like it's it's not really a loan like as martin lewis says it's a tax and a lot of people don't know that and the big loan puts them off and then they don't you know realize their potential or they go straight into like a job which they i don't know like they think more about supporting their family and bringing money in straight away rather than like an investment in their education which in the long term would actually like make them more money and more financially secure um, and a lot of kids don't know that they just know that you're going to be in loads of debt and you know it's going to be rubbish it's going to ruin your life but that's really not the case and that's why I think winding participation is so important um, for kids to realize that and also to realize that university is an option and that they are intelligent um, because like at state schools like the teachers are under so much strain like they they don't have the time to invest in each individual student and tell them like you know you're capable of this like you're amazing you're intelligent like you can do so much of your life like they don't have that individual attention and i feel like widening participation really allows us as mentors to give kids that individual attention and really push them like harder than their schools would possibly be able to do you have a favorite moment or experience from your time working with widening participation i guess there's like one particular moment which was my last session with the three girls i was talking about from clapham and it wasn't really like a single thing that was said or done it was just like how sad they all were that it was the last session and that we were essentially never going to see each other again and we'd like built this bond over like the 10 weeks like and I was kind of just like yeah good luck with your GCSEs and your life like mm. bye like <laughs> I just felt like I was abandoning my children like it was really sad but like also really beautiful and yeah we were it was like a, a special moment, but I just know that they're going to be doing amazing things in this world. And yeah, super proud. <laughs> and those goodbyes are always so difficult when it's a uh, good luck with life, because you know, deep down, you're probably not going to see them. At least yeah. it's very unlikely you'll see them again. So that, you know, there's no other way to say it without being good luck. No, and life. Exactly. Literally like, bye. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally yeah. Good luck <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So now coming on to the music, can you tell me about the first song you're going to be taking with you? Okay, so the first song I'm taking is Echoes by Pink Floyd. It's a very long song. It's about 23 minutes. It's, yeah, it's got wow. probably one. I don't know if it's the longest Pink Floyd song, but it's, it is definitely one of the longest. Um, it's from their metal album, which came out in 1971 or three. But like a lot of Pink Floyd fans have never heard this song. So when they ask me what my favourite Pink Floyd song is, I say this, they're like, what, I've never heard of it. But it's a really beautiful song. Um, I kind of want to die to this song because it goes through so many phases. It's like you really like melodic and euphoric at the start. And then the end, it's very chaotic and like noise rocky. And I just love that juxtaposition between the two. But yeah, it's a beautiful song. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you're quite the traveller, having visited almost... 40 countries while solo traveling. Just quickly, is that all the countries in total? Is that including like, any family holidays or? Family? That includes like every country I've ever been to. So including family holidays. Still, no, it's, it's pretty crazy. So uh, yeah, what do you think has driven you to explore so many different places? Ooh, that's a really tricky one. Um, I think it's a few reasons. I think like as a child, I always felt quite like trapped as in I was a child and I, I didn't, have, didn't have any control over my life. <laughs> and I, yeah, as you do, as <laughs> like that's what being a child is, is like. Uh, <laughs> but I always like would look forward to being older and like having freedom. Like that's something I really yearned for and I'd always like daydream about like what I'd do when I was older. And especially like spending a lot of my childhood in like a really like 
crappy like working class like dreary town I was just like I just can't wait to get out of it and when I do I'm just gonna go everywhere and kind of like as soon as I was legally allowed to I kind of just like went a bit crazy with the traveling I was like I need to get out and like, I need to see the world um that and also like I'd, I'd done some traveling like obviously like when I was a child going to Zimbabwe and like going to like other places so I always had that you know that I don't know travel bug in me I guess <laughs> and do you have a favorite country which you've been to after near 40 oh that is such a hard question um I really like Romania <laughs> that was my second solo trip that I went to my first was uh Brussels when I was like 17 which wasn't really allowed but like I just like hopped on a, a fleeks bus if, if anyone's been on a fleeks bus <laughs> and just like tried to get away with that but um yeah Romania was my second solo trip and it was in the February half term of year 12 and I found like a, a flight from Ryanair for like six quid and I was like you know what like I can't pass that down like That's just gonna hop on the plane I know it was insane um so yeah, just went to Romania, like didn't really have a plan, booked a hostel. I went, I went to Timisoara, for anyone who knows Romania well, but um, basically like that's the Dracula district of Romania. Did you go to any castles or anything, like any Dracula? Uh, no, I didn't because I ended up just spending the whole time getting like really drunk with this Brazilian death metal band that was at my hostel. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was super random. So I was just hanging out with this band like going to all their gigs in Romania with them. And it was really interesting. I'm still like friends with them to this day and sometimes like talk to them on Facebook um, and then made friends with this Belgian guy who I've met up with in like Hungary and stuff. So made like some friends for life on that trip. Um, and it was just a very unexpected, like interesting and weird trip. Pressing on to your second song, can you tell me what it is and any reasons why you're taking it with you? Okay, so second song is Warlocks by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, went through a massive Red Hot Chili Peppers phase when I was probably like 13, 14. Like me and my cousin like learning guitar together. So that was like one of the songs that we we try and learn. Not very well. <laughs> but just like associate that with that time in my life, like exploring things musically, trying to teach myself instruments. And like, I don't know, just love Chili Peppers and love that song. Going back to your travels, um, oh. I said in the introduction, you spent a New Year's Eve in a Sicilian dog shelter. Do you know the exact number of dogs? Was it 100? Or okay, what? yeah. So it was just over 100, but there was more coming in every single day because in Sicily, there's a big problem with stray dogs. Um, and because it's a Catholic um, country, like a lot of people don't get their dogs um, spayed. So you have a big problem with like massive litters of puppies, like just everywhere, like in the streets. Really sad. Um, but you know, people don't want to in interfere with like God's work and want to let the, you know, breeding just happen. Um, even if it's the expense of the dog's life, but you know, <laughs> um, so it's the shelters run by a couple, um, and they use work away, which is how I found it to kind of get volunteers. So they have lots of people in and out, in and out, um, but it's basically just the two of them that run it and whoever they can find to come and help out but it's a lot it's a lot of work like 100 over 100 dogs for two people um yeah. so i was really glad i could help and it was it was really honestly heartbreaking like the things you saw there like dogs dying like there's this there was this virus going around so puppies were dying and like it was really like heartbreaking to see like you you build a bond with a dog you know like over the 
weeks that you're there and then you know a couple of days later they just pass away and it's, it, was, it was really sad but it just shows you just you know how fragile life is and mm-hmm. it, it was like it was beautiful but it was sad another one of your stories included you being in a motorbike crash in Chiang Mai Thailand oh my god can you tell me more about that one <laughs> that was honestly like one of those like flash before you like life flashes before your life and um, what that doesn't make any sense uh, life flashes before your eyes moments um yeah that was wild I was basically um if anyone's been to Chiang Mai there's like a big like national park slash temple that's on the outskirts and it's around around a three hour drive um from the center of Chiang Mai to there this was my first time on a motorbike by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. so um I know pretty stupid but like a lot of like that's just what happens there like um if you go you know that people just walking around looking like mummies because everyone's been in a, a bike crash and it's kind of a rite of passage um but basically I was with a group of people that I'd met at my hostel and we were on our way to the temple um on the motorways um so going quite fast going like 60 or 70 and I was in the left lane um and then all of a sudden this car in front of me decides to brake really harshly um yeah um so this car in front of me is braking but there's a car on my right of me and a ditch on my left of me. So there's kind of nowhere for me to go or like swerve out of the way. So I end up just breaking like both handlebars really, really hard, which is not a thing you should do ever. <laughs> and kind of like flip the motorbike, like was scraping alongside the road, like finally like let go of the motorbike and the motorbike like flew in front of me and I was just like scraping across the road. I remember like feeling my, hel- my helmet like scraping across oh, the pavement. At least you had like, a helmet. I, I know if I didn't have a helmet I would have been dead but um yeah it was it was wild like all my clothes got like ripped off um like lots of skin lost um and yeah it was just like but it didn't hurt like I, I felt like there was a lot of like endorphins going through me so I was just like screaming but I just didn't really understand what was going on <laughs> um but luckily I was fine like it was just all surface wounds like um, there was a lovely Thai lady on the side of the road who like gave me like her daughter's school uniform to wear because all my clothes had been ripped off, which was really sweet. So I was wearing like her daughter's school uniform whilst the ambulance came and they bandaged me up and they were like, do you want to go to hospital? I was like, nah, like I'm fine. Um, and yeah, and then got on the back of someone else's bike and we went to the temple. So it was a good day. <laughs> oh my goodness. So were you still bleeding yeah. at that point? Well, I was bandaged, so like the ambulance guy had dressed all my wounds, so I was quite heavily bandaged, so I was fine. But I, obviously, I was still bleeding under the bandages. But I was able to carry on with my day and still somewhat enjoy it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, hopefully the next story is a little bit less gruesome. But the, can you tell me? <laughs> can you tell me about the shark swimming in Malaysia? Uh, <laughs> imagine if that was gruesome as well. Oh, I know um, that one. I'm a bit. Okay, so. <laughs> no, no that was that was fine actually there was a gruesome story that went along with that um so the night before that happened um i was with helen helen's um another fellow environment development student and um, we were in malaysia together and the night before we swam with the sharks we were traveling with this other girl called lily and we were on the beach and then she just like got up and dislocated her shoulder <laughs> oh man and we were on this beach, like in the middle of nowhere. So there's no doctor, no hospital, like literally nothing. So we had to get on a speedboat to the mainland while her shoulders dislocated, like going everywhere. And she's like <laughs> screaming in pain. 
Oh. And bear in mind, see this like tiny island, there's only one boat a day. So once we got to the hospital, we had no way of getting back. So we just like slept on like this bench. <laughs> and then we slept in like, we managed to find like a hostel that was gonna accept us at like 2 a.m. But it was like the crustiest like hostel, like it was dirty, like it smelled like cigarettes. Um, and then we finally got a boat to the mainland like 7 a.m. the next day, like on no, like no sleep. Um, but that, that's basically the premise for the shark, the shark swimming. <laughs> so that morning, me and Helen decided like, you know what, like, let's just do something with the day. You know, it's been a rough night. Let's, you know, let's do something. So our hostel was offering basically a five pound snorkeling trip. Five pounds. So cheap. It was like 20 um Malaysian currencies I, don't, I forgot the currency but it was basically five quid um for like a full day of snorkeling and like they take you out on the boat to different what? spots uh, I know and we actually weren't expecting to see anything at all but like every spot we went to we saw such beautiful wildlife like so we, we saw lots of sharks like we saw like massive sea turtles like there's this moment I remember like me and Helen like either side of a massive sea turtle um just like like screaming and like I don't know like just going crazy we were like we couldn't believe it was we were, and like the turtle was coming up to the surface to get air and then we would be going up with it it was magical like we felt like mermaids and it was such a beautiful experience that we paid five pounds for and yeah it was it was amazing oh my god it costs you six pounds to go into the roxy doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> exactly like it's actually wild oh that is insane <laughs> No, it was, it was lovely, lovely. I'd recommend you going if you can at any time. Moving on to your third song, can you tell me what it is and any reasons why? Okay, so third song is The Queen of All Everything by OTT. Um, it's like a psytrance, psy-chill, psybient song. So it's not like full-on psytrance, but it's a very relaxing and like beautiful song. And the reason I chose it is because it was the opening song to the first festival I ever went to, um, which was a side chance festival in Hungary called Azora, and probably one of the most like amazing festivals I've ever been to, but this the song brings back lots of memories from that festival and all the people I met. So yeah, love that one. So now moving on to childhood growing up stuff. So born in London, grew up in Northamptonshire, briefly lived in Zimbabwe, eight yeah. schools. Can you briefly talk me through your life from birth up until now? Well, yeah, that's, that's a really long story. Um, yeah, basically born, born in London, UCL Hospital. Grew yeah. up in um, Gospel Oak, which is like near Hampstead area. Till what age in Gospel Oak? So I was in Gospel Oak until five, um, until I was five years old. And then one day my mum took me to the airport and she was like, okay, bye. <laughs> She was like, yeah, okay, so like you're going to get on this plane and you're going to go and live in Zimbabwe now. And she hadn't told me anything beforehand. She literally just took me to the airport and sent me off with like a flight attendant. And that was the last time I saw her for like two and a half years. Wow. Yeah, so she sent me off. And that was my first time on a flight by myself. So I guess I've always been a solo traveller, even if it wasn't, you know, <laughs> if, even if it was against my will. But... Yeah, that was interesting. So then I stayed in Zimbabwe with my grandmother for a year and a half, like learned the local language, went to school there, like massive culture shock, like being this like kid from London, 
like going to Africa um, to a school where everyone is African and like, but it was definitely like character building and like, I didn't know at the time, but definitely some of the best years of my life, like just being free, being in nature, like climbing trees, like it was just, it was beautiful. It was really nice. Um, and then after a year and a half, um, came back to the UK with my grandmother. Um, but I, she went to live with my aunt and I went to live back with my mum but um, only lived with her for a bit because um, things just weren't the same when I got back. Like, um, basically, like, yeah, she went to the doctor and they were like, yeah, you, you're not fit to look after a child. Um, so the options were, yes, you say, so that was like, quite, yeah, that was quite a shock for me because I'd expected to come back and like, you know, have this like beautiful life with her and be reunited with her, but things weren't the same, you know, she had like alcohol problems, and, lots of different social issues going on there so the, the options were either I go into full-time care or I go and stay with a family member so I went to stay with my aunt and stayed with her for a few years stayed in Luton with her first and then moved to Rushton and then finally got like a council flat with my grandmother so this is a grandmother that I lived in afterwards um so I got a council flat with her in Heimferrers where I stayed for like seven years yeah, around seven years. Um, that was probably the longest I'd been in one school as well. So I spent five, five years, like from year seven to year mm. 11 in that one school, which was interesting. Um, but it was good to have a bit of stability for once in your life. <laughs> that was that was amazing. I love my grandmother so much. So I was so happy to be, with her, be there with her. We shared that bond. Um, and then like, so in year 11, then my mum passed away. So that was a big shock to the family. And when that happened, like my grandmother's mental health started to go downhill and like everything in my life kind of just like, I don't know, descended into chaos. Um, my grandmother got sectioned. I was like looking after her for a bit. Then I got kicked out of sixth form, <laughs> which was another crazy thing. Mm. So, after, so after I'd been kicked out of sixth form, I was like, okay, so like I'm not going to go to uni. Like that's not really an option now. I'm going to have to provide for like grandmother and like look after her and so I got a job at a care home, <laughs> but um, I actually didn't end up starting the job at the care home because my aunt, who lives in Pinner, which is where I am right now, um, she was like, no, this is not on. Like, you have to finish your A-levels and go to UD. So then after I had to turn down the job at the care home, move to Pinner and yeah, finish my A-levels and then went to LSE, which is crazy because like, I never thought I would be at university, let alone LSE. So my life has just been very turbulent but like very interesting and definitely like quite tough but it's like made me the person I am today so yeah that's it now I'm here yeah wow no I wasn't expecting that at all I thought um I thought it was gonna be like a international student story <laughs> I know people always like oh you you traveled around so much that must mean you had such an interesting life like at international schools but like no like it was just jarring <laughs> no, crazy to hear the other side of you know yeah life just throws curveballs at you and you've just got to deal with it like did you enjoy going to different schools or did you yeah I I definitely did not enjoy that aspect and I think the thing I struggled the most with that was kind of like forming and maintaining friendships which I still struggle with today like uh I'm good at making friends but then I'm not so good at keeping them because I don't think I'm used to having friends for a long period of time so I tend not to put enough effort into the friendship and like 
I don't know, you, you do have to like invest in friendships and put effort and like make efforts to meet up. And that's not something I've been used to because I've been moving around so much in my life that I've never really had friends for more than a couple years. Mm. Um, but yeah, so at LSE, like some of the friends I've made here, probably some of the longest friend friendships I've had in my life, which is crazy to think that because I'm only in my yeah. second year, but <laughs> but uh, it's, it's quite beautiful because I feel like now more than ever, I really appreciate friendship and I feel like the friends I have made here are definitely friends that I will have for life. So I'm so grateful for that. Mm. And it is really interesting to think about this sort of stuff. You know, I used to live in America and then I moved to the UK when I was seven. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling them. Like the thought of starting a network from scratch. Mm-hmm. Like I was always so jealous of friendships from birth. You know, people yeah, would be like yeah. from nursery all the way yeah. through. And then all my yeah, friendships sure. started at the age of like nine. Yeah, but some of those friends, those people have from birth, like they're not necessarily aligned with, like they're just, fr- they're like friends with them because they're friends from birth. Mm. Like, and it would be a shame to lose that. Whereas I feel like maybe the friendships you and I have are friendships that we've chosen because we, we really relate to that person or there's something in that person that we really like rather than, mm-hmm. oh, it's just because our parents were like in the same baby group. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you actually have yeah. chosen that friend, friend because of the qualities they have. And mm. I think that's beautiful. No, for sure. Moving on to your fourth song now. Can you tell me what it is and the reasons why you're taking it with you? Okay, so fourth song is Endors Toi by Tame Impala. It's a very short song, but it's a very beautiful song. And I love Tame Impala. They're probably my favourite band of all time. Um, and this just happens to be my favourite song. Moving on to your LSE experience. You've been mm-hmm. at LSE for almost two academic years. Do you have a favourite moment or experience from your time so far? Ooh, another good question. Keep coming with these questions, they're, they're amazing, like, well done. Um, <laughs> favourite time at LSE, like, one highlight definitely has to be the, the Bulgaria trip, which you organised, thank you so much for that, <laughs> in Perfect. first year. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was amazing. And that was the first time I bonded with like my now best friends at LSE, like Ollie, Ollie and Helen. And we definitely became like a very tight knit group from that trip. Um, it was just such a random and interesting trip, like, random. like clubbing, clubbing at night, but then in the, in the day going to like monasteries in the mountains. And it was, it was very beautiful, very well organised. Thank you so much, Will, for that. And it was just a nice, like, integration into the geography environment department. Like, that's when I really realised, like, yeah, I've, like, made a really good choice. Because I think at LSE, like, especially in the first term, it's very easy to feel like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, everyone here just wants to be an investment banker and I'm just, like, an environment hippie. Like, <laughs> and I feel like I, like, found my people on that trip, you know? So that was beautiful. And another highlight I'd say at LSE is like definitely the, the small but very vibrant music scene. Like I think I d- did not expect to find any creative people at LSE. So when I did find them, I was like cherishing them. I was like, please. like. <laughs> so like getting involved with Pulse has been amazing. That's been super fun. And then my friend Ella and Ollie and some other friends put on Odyssey, which is like a D&D night. And they, they've been doing that since first year. And that's been super fun, super proud of them for doing that and then also the local host nights have been super fun so I just feel like there's this very small but yeah very vibrant music scene at LSE that is like very underrated but like amazing and needs to be talked about more for sure so now moving on 
to your fifth song, can you let me know what it is and the reasons why you're taking it with you? Okay, so this is a bit of a rogue choice, but Candy Shop by 50 Cent, because this used to be my favourite song when I was about five years old, which is awful if you know the lyrics to this song. Um, it's not actually about a candy shop, although I, I'm pretty sure I believed it to be so uh, <laughs> when I was five. Um, and like, I didn't know licking the lollipop actually referred to something else. Um, yeah, who let me listen to this song when I was five? I just don't know like <laughs> what was going on there. But yeah, that's, that's my that's the song I've chosen for those reasons. And then now moving north in your London adventures. So you spent the last mm -hmm. academic year living in Highgate, which is quite unusual oh. for an LSE student. How did you end <laughs> up going so far north? Can I just say that living in Highgate has been the worst thing <laughs> ever. It's the worst place I've ever lived. Not because of Highgate. Like Highgate's amazing. Like Highgate's beautiful. But like we were in this awful flat, like proper like dungeon. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. We were so miserable. You are so, yeah, living in one of the most bougie areas in London, you know. I know. We were literally living in this like shed. Like that's all I could call it a shed. Um, but yeah, me shout, yeah. yeah, shout out to my flatmates, so Head and Ollie and Ollie for like getting through this. Um, but we basically chose this flat, and this flat was basically a old like Victorian like manor house that had been converted into like six flats and we had like the very top um which was it seemed nice at the time uh, we chose it because it was cheap it was like we we're paying like 140 a week which is like nothing for Highgate as well yeah. um <laughs> little did we know <laughs> that we would have no hot water for three months we had no heating the whole time we were there so wow. winter winter we were like in our coats like in our beds like shivering um, and then we had these plug-in heaters which would like suck up our electricity so we had like such a high electricity bill like no hot water shower like was like a bit dodgy didn't really work then I had black mold in my room so my whole like back wall was like covered in black mold oh. to the point where I got like I got like a chest infection and then um, luckily Tom Smith had given us these like air monitors um, for particulate matter so I actually took readings of um, the particles in the, in the room I sent them to my landlord I was like this is like above <laughs> what the world, world Health Organization recommends as safe oh my like God. this is actually higher than the central line at rush hour like it was really bad um, <laughs> what did they, like, they were like oh I'm so sorry and then they came and painted over the mold and that's all they did <laughs> so they painted over the mold and then I had cockroaches in my room which was just like the cherry on top. And um, also I should probably mention that my room was just about big enough to fit a bed and then walk around about two feet and then you get to the bed. That's all. And so the mold so was I, actually there. The mold was like the whole back wall, like by the window. And all they did was paint over it. So yeah, it was Highgate was lit, yo. Like <laughs> no, like Highgate sucked. Like people always think, oh, like you lived in Highgate, like that's so bougie, like wow, luxury life. But actually it was like the worst place I've ever lived and I'm so happy to be leaving. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Yeah, because I thought you guys were just going really bougie for you. I was so confused. No, by... not at all. It was yeah. awful. Yeah, but there's a silver lining. So now you're moving to Islington. Yeah, much better. Yeah. Much better. Well, let's hope. You know, I suppose you've seen the place, haven't you? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's really nice. You should come over sometime, Will. Yeah. Maybe some risotto. <laughs> my pleasure. I think now moving on to your sixth song, can you tell me what it is and 
reasons why you're taking it with you. Okay, so my sixth song is Deep Into Nature by Captain Hook, one of my favourite Psytrance artists. Um, I've seen him a few times live, but this is a song I play on repeat when I'm in the library trying to get a deadline in the night before. Um, I basically It's an 11 minute song, but I will listen to it for like 10 hours on loop whilst I just like read and write for an essay like in one night, which is pretty bad, but that's kind of the way I work, like leaving everything to the last minute until it's absolutely critical that I start. And then I just play this song on repeat <laughs> to kind of get me in a sort of meditative trance-like state so I could just bang it out. Um, and this is the song that I do it to. Mm. So now, do you have any pet peeves, anything which annoys you way more than anything else? Oh, um, probably just ignorance like ignorant people that are not willing to hear another perspective, even if it's different to their own. Um, I feel like that's the way I've been challenged being at LSE, like actually being forced to like listen to other perspectives that might not be things I believe in like politically, but I, I do listen to them and like consider why that person might have those beliefs. But people that are just, well, in my opinion, ignorant <laughs> and have no capacity to kind of listen to a different opinion and are very like set in their ways. That is a massive pet peeve for me. Like at least, even if you don't agree with something, at least try and understand why that person might have that view rather than like completely shutting it down and being very narrow-minded in, in your way of thinking. So yeah, I guess like ignorant, narrow-minded people are my pet peeve. And now moving on to your seventh song, can you tell me what it is and why? Okay, my seventh song is crazy by niles barkley i know you love this song will it's a banger yeah <laughs> it was that it was actually it was my mom's favorite song and she used to sing it all the time and she had such an amazing voice and it always reminds me of her when i when i hear it yeah it is a brilliant one yeah the final one what's your favorite thing about being part of the lse i think this is this has changed this answer has changed for me so much because I've been on such a like roller coaster with LSE and how I felt about it. Like when I first got here, I was like, this is horrible. Like, <laughs> like I hated LSE. Like I think a lot of people went through this the first time. I was just like, I haven't found my tribe. Like everyone here is just thinks about money. Like this is London School of Capitalism. Like what is wrong with this place? Like I thought it was meant to be founded on the Fabian Society, like loads of socialists, but actually it was like loads of like pro-capitalist wannabe investment bankers that were like, bashing me for my socialist views and I, I know a lot of other people have had that experience um but I guess my favorite thing about even those experiences is that it's forced me to like kind of break out of the echo chamber I was in before in thinking that every young person is liberal and thinks in the same way that I do and it's just so not true like um it's forced me to be exposed to so many different views like I have lots of views from every political part like I don't know, like I have lots of friends from every political party is what I was trying to say, um, which I didn't expect to. <laughs> I thought everyone was going to be like, like raging lefty. <laughs> but I think it's so important to surround yourself with different perspectives. Like otherwise, you're, yeah, you're just going to be very narrow minded in the way you think. Um, and that is my favourite thing about LSE, how diverse everyone's views are and how everyone's different walks of life have moulded them into very different and interesting individuals, whether I agree with what they're saying or not that their story is still you know important and they're still guess beautiful people and i don't know we should all listen to each other because i think we all have a lot to learn from each other and especially at lse we we definitely have a lot to learn from each other so that's my favorite thing very nice and moving on to your final song can you tell me what it is and any reasons why you've chosen it 
my final song is On The Level by Mac DeMarco. It's one of my favourite Mac DeMarco songs. Um, my cousin got me into Mac DeMarco when we were like 13. So I don't know, it reminds me of her and we have like a really special bond. She's like my soul sister, love her to pieces. So yeah, love the songs of that. And also this song um, in, in particular reminds me of my best friend Anna, who also loves this song, and she's also another beautiful person in my life. So, yeah, beautiful song with some beautiful memories attached to it. Moving on to the last part now. So, you're already given the Bible, the beverage report, and a book of your choice. So, what is the book mm-hmm. you're going to be taking with you? Okay, so the book I've chosen is The Hidden Life of Trees. I've started reading it, but I haven't finished, but it's very beautifully written. It's basically about how trees communicate and I think trees are really beautiful. I have a very like, you know, weird connection to them. I feel like if I was stuck on a desert island as well, I'd want to read something about the things surrounding me whilst I, you know, slowly die. So <laughs> that book, um, which I'm really excited to finish. Yeah. And then moving on to the final parts, your luxury item. What is the luxury item you're going to be taking with you? So... I told someone this the other day and they were like, what a ridiculous like, luxury item to bring. <laughs> but I chose um, incense, specifically Nag Champa, because I feel like if I was on an island, I'm just kind of waiting for death. So at this point, I might as well have some nice, you know, nice smelling incense that's kind of spiritual. Because um, I feel like I have like no fight or flight reflex, so I wouldn't want anything to help me survive. I just kind of just like wait to die and just like peacefully go out whilst the incense is burning and you know reading my book about trees and kind of just like dissolving and disintegrating into the earth and going back into nature with my incense burning <laughs> brilliant thank you very much for telling me about your job trial and jams thank you so much for having me